Uh, and with that, I'm going to, uh, our first item 8A is approval of the minutes of December 13th, 2022. Are there any additions from my colleagues up here? All right, I would entertain a motion to approve. So move. All right, we have a motion and a second. Uh, all in favor? No, I'm sorry. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Canson. There's a motion, second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And you're going to abstain. I should probably abstain. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> We'll move now to Board of Commissioner matters. Are there any? We, we actually take it at the end of these, Eva. Do you have a comment on the minutes? All right, come on up. Um, that you're approving, uh, it appears to be the first mention or one of the first mentions of the Risley letter. And I think that's important. Uh, there hasn't been much talk of Bruce Risley or the things he had to say from Marin City since approximately the era when Bruce Risley was one of the founding members of the Marin City Community Services District. His life and his work is very important. And I know it's important because uh, when I approached two of the white organizers uh, who've kind of attached themselves to uh, the Golden Gate Village Residence Council, uh, on Martin Luther King Day, they both denied knowing about the Risley letter, even though I had emailed it to one of them months ago, and even though I'd frequently spoken about it in, in this very meeting with them sitting uh, behind me. Uh, I want to talk about why the Risley letter is important. There is a larger land claim uh, for the black descendants of the shipyard workers from Marin City, and at this moment, it's very important that we consider these things when you look at what happened at Bruce's speech. Um, it is also very curious to me why it was not used as a point of negotiation. Um, I don't get very much time. I've got 50 more seconds. Uh, I do want to tell you a little bit about Bruce Risley because he was a very inspiring person. He was a labor activist. He lived in House 593 in Marin City, and he was a tireless advocate uh, for his fellow Marin City residents. Uh, he was one of several people uh, who were forced to... Uh, quit uh, an, an earlier committee in Marin County uh, from Marin City along with two black pastors because they refused to sign the loyalty oath. His son uh, skipped his Tam High graduation, stellar student, um, to go uh, register voters in the American South. He was arrested in Mississippi. I think he was later beaten in Alabama the same year. This man's letter is important. It's, it's important for the descendants, and it should be on the agenda at some point in a, in a way that it can be discussed. Thank you for your time. Yeah, Eva, we, I'm sorry. Who did you give that letter to? Because I know I wanted to read it. And I, uh, I gave it to Joyce. I gave a, couple, a copy of the letter to Joyce. I also uh, emailed a copy of the letter to Lisa Bennett directly, um, along with a cohort of, of her colleagues, including Stephen Bingham, et cetera, et cetera, various people. Okay. But I'll make sure you get it again. It should have been... I appreciate it, Eva, if yeah, I it's, can't it's an important it. letter. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Okay. All right. So, we're, uh, any board of commissioners matters? Oh uh, yes. Uh, well, I would like to um, report out from uh, our me uh, conference we went to in Napa, 
And uh, it was uh, really a good conference because I got a chance to uh, continue my education on uh, commissioners, what commissioners do, uh, the ethics of being a commissioner and where the line is on have being, uh, you know, where there's uh, influencing, you know, and so it was good. it was really a good meeting because information there, and then also getting information to uh, listening to HUD and us getting an award and just a general idea of, of things that need to be done as a commissioner and that continuing education on the commission of fundamentals. So uh, it was a good, it was actually, it was good for me. Uh, and I got a lot out of it. Thank you, Commissioner Hall. Commissioner Canson, did you wanna? I was gonna say, um, just to make sure that uh, we won several awards. And so for Kimberly to uh, announce the awards when she does her executive director's reports. Um, thank you. And for my part, uh, I rushed in here. I want to welcome everyone. I didn't get the chance to do that. Thank you for coming to the hearing today. We're glad to have you and looking forward to the agenda. So um, with that, I will turn it over to Kimberly Carroll uh, for the executive director's report. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you. Um, welcome, commissioners. Or hello. Um, I did want to take just one quick moment to welcome Commissioner Eric Lukin and Commissioner Mary Sackett as new on our uh, Marin Housing Commission Board, and I really look forward, our, and our, our team looks really forward to working with you as is your role as a housing commissioner, so welcome. Um, okay, well, good afternoon. Um, I did want to, I'll follow up with what Commissioner Hansen and, uh, Com Commissioner Canson and Commissioner Hall said last week we, we were able to go to a conference with myself and some of the staff and Commissioner Hall and Commissioner Canson uh, to our NARO California, Northern California NARO and Nevada chapter of um, a conference. At this conference, Marin Housing Authority did receive three awards from, from HUD. As an agency, we were honored with moving forward, emergency housing vouchers, Veterans, which is the Veterans VASH program. Um, we won these awards for excellence within Northern California and the Nevada chapters. We received the Moving Forward Award for securing approval of the Golden Gate Village Rehabilitation Project to renovate, restore, rehab, and preserve Golden Gate Village as a historic district and as a vital component of the affordable, re affordable rental housing for Marin County. Um, we also received an award for the emergency housing vouchers. Uh, this award details Marin housing efforts working with local service providers to locate housing units in Marin County that could be used did I, could, could be used to house residents that are experiencing homelessness by um, partnering closely with nonprofit organizations, the landlord community, and county departments. We have been able to designate 95% of those vouchers and, and house many homeless people. Uh, we also, through our VASH program, which, which honors housing homeless veterans, we were awarded some new vouchers this year, last year as well, and we, were, we have been able to house a, utilize 100% of those vouchers in our efforts working with the VA, the San Francisco VA, and 
the Coordinated Entry Program, and the Housing Authority. So that's, we, we were honored for all three of those. And I, I just want to say that we have such a dedicated team of committed professionals who work hard every day to support the communities that we serve. And I'm grateful that they were um, really recognized at this event from HUD. And a lot of them are here today, and I, I really do want to say how much I do appreciate all the hard work that the team behind me does and, um, and does such a great job every day. Um, okay, so then as we work to obtain our strategic goal to create additional home ownership opportunities, MHA's Home Ownership Department partnered with the Fair Housing Advocates of Northern California on January 25th and 26th to host a HUD-certified first-time home ownership workshop for Marin County residents. Flyers were distributed in Marin City, and we gave them to all of our Golden Gate Village resident council, uh, um, residents. We had over 40 attendees at this meeting, seven of which were from Marin City. Staff presented on home ownership resources, such as the below market rent program, the, um, the down payment assistance that's for Marin City residents and people who work in Marin City, the FSS Section 8 Home Ownership Program, and the upcoming BMR lottery that's for a unit that is in Marin City. Um, and then in, to assist our residents with their goal of home ownership and to build credit, we continue to build out MHA's rent reporting pilot program. That is that, that program is being funded by Kaiser through a grant that was brought to your board in July. This, this is an opt-in program that will be offered to public housing households to get credit for paying typically their largest bill, which is their rent. Um, positive rent payments will be reported to the main credit bureaus, and households will be provided an array of additional services, including support from trained MHA staff that have been assigned to this program to support residents to build credit, achieve financial goals, and increase financial literacy. Marin Housing has been working closely with Credit Builders Alliance. It's a national nonprofit network that is providing technical assistance, resources, and support, and support during the development phase of this program. Assigned staff will be going through a six-session credit as an asset training to provide knowledge and confidence when supporting residents in financial literacy and credit building. MHA will be will begin to market and enroll households in this rent reporting pilot program toward the end of February, and we'll have a official kickoff event in the community room in Golden Gate Village in, in, in mid-March. This event will also promote our family self-sufficiency program as the perfect complement to joining the rent, I'm sorry, um, is the FSS program, which is a HUD program that provides resources and support for program participants in both public housing and the HCV program. The program also features a, a huge bonus, this establi the establishment of an interest-bearing escrow account where the difference of the rent and the family pays actually goes into an escrow account for people. So we feel like this is a really great complement in people's goals of home ownership or building credit to provide these escrow accounts and to help create a better um, and improved credit score. And we are happy to report that in the last quarter of 2022, we enrolled 13 new FSS residents into the program. So we are actively recruiting again and trying to find families to join this program. I also want to share that in partnership with Health and Human Services, this month we've been able to offer a vaccination clinic in our five senior disabled sites. 
They were very well attended. Uh, this was both for, for flu and COVID vaccinations. We were able to provide um, flyers and in our laundry rooms on each of our residents' doors, and we, we really did have a good show. So we really do want to support and appreciate the, the partnership with Health and Human Services on that. Um, also, as of January, the Housing Authority is no longer in shortfall funding status with HUD. So we are we're excited about our commitments for two new project-based vouchers that will be happening it, this year with 66 vouchers for the Vivalon San Rafael project in, um, that's in partnership with Eden Housing. And that is projected for occupancy in the fall of 23. And then we also have 43 vouchers that are allocated to the South Elysio pro property in Greenbrae, and they, that's with Episcopal Community Services, and that's projected also for occupancy by the summer of 23. So really happy that we've got the vouchers. We're going to be moving forward with these, and, um, and, we're, and we've also received 30 new mainstream vouchers to help non-senior, disabled, um, homeless individuals, which we'll be allocating out as well in the next couple months. Okay, then I just want to move to the Golden Gate Village revitalization update. Um, as, as part of the Marin Housing's framework with, that was approved last year in November, um, we established a $2 million resident investment fund to provide to Golden Gate Village residents to provide direct financial benefits, empower residents economically, and create generational wealth. The policies and programs established by this fund will be generated from ideas from the Golden Gate Village residents. Um, the, the residents will be providing information to us through a series of resident lis listening sessions. The, lis the, the listening sessions are held in Golden Gate Village at the community room at 105 Drake. Meetings are open to everyone but are designed to solicit and prioritize resident voices. Childcare and food are provided. The listening sessions are going to be held monthly. Our first session was held last month January on January 19th, and the goal of this was to um, the goal of this introductory section was to educate residents on the intention in establishing the Golden Gate Village Resident Investment Fund and for residents to begin generating ideas for its usage. Um, there were 17 Golden Gate Village residents in attendance, including the Golden Gate Village Resident Council President and several of the board members. Outreach was conducted by the Housing Authority's community connectors and staff. Residents were asked what could provide, um, residents were asked what could provide direct financial benefits for their families, and the floor was open for all resident contributions. We received a wide range of topics that were generated by the residents, ranging from basic living assistance, job training, internship, home ownership, small business development, and tuition assistance. These topics will be organized and be the basis for the further development in the next listening session that will be held um, February 16th at, in Golden Gate Village, and that will be held at 5.30 in the evening on February 16th. And this fund will be administered and managed by MCF for the county and for, for Marin County. So we're, we're excited to really get that started and kicked off with our resident involvement. Um, currently, Marin Housing has posted an RFP for a Golden Gate Village revitalization development consultant and project manager. 
to help keep both the revitalization of the buildings and all the resident services moving forward as we work to recruit a development partner. Um, the scope of the work for the project manager will include the RF, creating the RFQ for a developer, CEQA and NEPA review, Section 18 application, and resident engagement. Marin Housing is actively in communication with the resident council as we establish our evaluation committee for, develop, uh, for a development partner with a goal to release this RFQ by the middle of March. The resident council, has, we're happy to announce, has been able to sign a use agreement with the housing authority for an office space at 101 Drake as of December. This space provides the Golden Gate Village resident council um, with five offices. They're small offices, but in one, uh, one space that will help them be able to provide services and programming for residents of Golden Gate Village. And then also to create a better communication with the Golden Gate Village, Marin Housing staff and I are meeting with residents and the resident council weekly um, in, the community, in the community room at Golden Gate Village. And, and these meetings are to set up to discuss revitalization project, the, the revitalization project, capital improvements, maintenance, and maintenance projects. And to that end, I've asked Adrian Chorley um, to, to provide a brief update on some of the projects that we're working on right now. Hi, everyone. Let me just pull my notes up here. Welcome, by the way, Mr. Lucan, Ms. Sackett. So um, first off, you know, we had our REACT done inspection at our AMP2 properties, and we passed. We got a 65, and that was in no due report because of our staff, maintenance staff, actually going above and beyond to be able to get everything ready for that. Um, and on that note also, with our unprecedented storms that we had from the 24th of December through to the 19th of January, they also were very proactive in preventing a lot of damage, especially at Golden Gate Village. Um, we did have a couple of instances, you know, where we had a bit of flooding, but overall it was a success. And compared to a lot of places in California, where they had tremendous damage, we actually came through it quite well. So I just wanted to say that, and hats off to the maintenance staff for doing that. Um, as Kimberly said as well, I'm always there, Mike is there for these resident meetings. They're every second and third Thursday, or fourth Thursday of the month. And we really do want residents, resident council, and others to come and give their input. That's something that we feel is necessary because we don't see everything as MHA. We can't, but they are intimate living there, knowing what they need. And so to hear that directly from them is valuable information for us. And very often we're able to act on that. One of the things that we're looking at right now is how to improve the weatherization of the units at the low rises. You know, we've been asked by as well to look at putting in windows. As we can, we'll try and do that, obviously, with funding that we have. Um, one of the other things that we're looking at right now is improving the lighting. So we just received, I'm correct in this, right, that we just received funding to be able to upgrade all the lighting at Golden Gate Village, which is wonderful. And so we have actually put in 
an emergency request for the 106 process to be able to get that lighting in place. So currently we have, and if Mike were here, he could address it, but is he? Hey, Mike. Hi. Sorry, I didn't see you sneak in. Um, but so currently our underground utility system is basically almost non-existent. So what we're having happen is each of those light poles as we power them up and replace with new light bulbs, it's shorting out the system because the underground utilities are old. How old, we don't know. But we're pushing through to get all of that changed because it's necessary. And we're hoping that we can actually have a response from ICF and the county within the week. So that's something that should happen relatively quickly. Um, sidewalks and asphalt we have out for bid. Those have been approved through the 106 process, so we can actually fix the trip hazards now. We can fix the potholes. We're just waiting on our third and final bids for each of those projects from outside contractors. Mike, did you, did you have anything you wanted to add? Anything? No, I think I just want to clarify the 106 process as being the historic process that we need to go through. Um, for anything exterior at Golden Gate Village. And for the lighting, really what, um, what Adrian is referring to, we did receive a grant of $650,000 that was a, a federal earmark through Congressman Huffman's office, which is in our newsletter, um, and, uh, and it will be matched from the county. So we're, being, we're able to really do a, a full renovation to our exterior lighting on the whole campus of Golden Gate Village which, as Adrian said, a lot of the wiring under the ground has, has failed, and so that's the problem of why our lights aren't working. Some of the lights aren't working right now. Yeah. So thank you. Um, we do really feel like this, this effort of showing up weekly and being available to residents and hearing is really going to help with build our communication. And so we are happy to, to provide that. Um, I also just want to let you know, to keep our residents better informed, the Housing Authority is launching a phone app to serve all of our public housing residents. We believe this app, hosted by, it's called Let's All Do Good, will be a good opportunity for Marin Housing to keep residents informed about activities that will affect them, such as emergency alerts, about property conditions created by the weather, um, reminders about scheduled maintenance and updates on ongoing repairs, as well as community events. In addition, we are providing a monthly newsletter, which I think our community connectors were, have and have available. And it, we're really you, trying to use that as a way of building better community um, and sharing things that are happening in the community and, and keeping everybody informed. So with that, that includes my director's report today. Are there questions from the board members? Commissioner Campson. Um, and I think we talked about this. Is there any uh, update on when the driveways are going to get paved or asphalt or anything? I know we got approval a while ago. Um, we should be in contract for that by the beginning of next week. It's been difficult to get contractors out to look at it. I think they've all been around the holidays. They, they typically slow down, but 
because of the because of the all the rain and everything and, and they, there's been a lot of emergency repairs so i just was on the phone this morning from a contractor we've used in the past and i'm hoping they'll get us a number by thursday or friday of this week and we'll be able to get someone signed up by monday of next week so are you going to pave it or are you going to like fill it in with no it? no our, our intention is for for the the area that we've gone through the approval process is to remove the top inch and a half layer grind it down put in a whole new surface of asphalt it's gonna it's gonna be a a, a good long-lasting repair to the to the parking lot this is the the really bad section at the between uh in front of 409 409 drake and then we're of course as the larger project goes forward we're going to be redoing all of the parking lots okay so um you're going to do them one at a time i'm just wondering because i know that's something that you're going to have to uh, go to the resident council and, and arrange the timing because there's so many cars that park in that in and of course we're going to have to do it in phases because of exactly, exactly. what you said. Okay, and then the lighting includes the, the lighting that uh, in the walkway? We're addressing lighting all over the property. The, the most uh, pressing issue was that in parking lot one, none of the parking lot lights were working as of a few days ago. We had our electrician out and do some emergency repairs, but they're sort of band-aids to the fact that, the, as Adrian was saying, the, the power connecting all the lights is... It's what they call direct burial, so it's not even in a conduit. They just buried electrical wires. This was when, when the property was built, and those over time have failed, and the wet conditions have sort of exacerbated that. So as Adrian said, we've gone in to replace a conduit around parking lot one, and our intention is to get approval and then go forward with trying to get approval to r reconnect all the lighting in the parking lots um, as soon as that one's approved. And then... All the lighting on the building, we're going through the entire property and addressing lighting on every building and trying to actually move forward. We're, we're hoping to also submit for a plan that will increase the amount of lights around the back side of the property where it has never been really adequately lit. Well, I think I'm mostly talking about there's those square lights yeah, yeah, on the walkway, right. but there's also lights right next to the door. Yes. And so, and those look fairly new, right? Those lights next to the They're door? They're all different ages. The, the property, I mean, up until 2017, of course, we weren't on the reg National Register, so uh, lighting was changed before that at different times. So there are, there's a sort of a little bit of a range of different fixtures around the property. But we are sort of, we're going through and inventorying all the lights near doors, the big square unattractive lights that are, that are sort of floodlights for certain areas. We had our electrician up there repairing some on Friday. Oh, okay, um, cool. So I we're, we're going through. Out. And those are challenging, too, because they're an older technology and they're sort of grandfathered in under the, under the historic designation. So we're, we're going we're gonna to change the lighting, and it's going to look what we hope uh, we'll get somebody in to help us design it, and it's going to look quite a bit better when it's all done. Right, I was just suggesting that maybe uh, the ones next to the door, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know if, if that's, like, are those too old to, uh, you know, because you can turn those on from inside, and maybe in the meantime you can just make sure, you know. We're, we're constantly active. going around trying to address any lighting that's, that's not working. It's, it's, it's sort of whack-a-mole, as you can imagine, because right. the lights <laughs> fail pretty frequently, but... Uh, 
but we're, we're, we're on it, and we have people out there, you know, every night looking to try to see what what's, isn't lighting the way it should be. And just to to remind you, um, we with our with our energy performance contract, we are going to be doing the up uh, the updating of all the lighting on the buildings and right. inside. So there is an issue with some it's finding the covers because of their because of the historic. But apparently, Johnson Controls have found a vendor back east that's able to replicate the exterior lighting on the buildings, those squares. So we will be, we are working on that, and they'll be putting energy efficient lights that will make it LED lights much brighter. Yeah. So that is all in the works. We're hoping, I think, July, to, for July date of getting all of those done. I was just going to have a quick question. Did you guys, uh, for Mike, uh, did you guys check the units? Because I know um, in 419, um, they had some energy efficient lights put in, and so. That might be something to just check those units, and maybe you can do the ones that have the older lights first. And oh, yeah, absolutely. We're prioritizing based on the types of lights. Like I said, um, lots of lights had been changed over time, but there's sort of a mismatch here and there. So we're going to the old ones that are failing, replacing those, and then as we go through the revitalization process, we'll probably you know go through and try to sort of standardize some of the fixtures so there's sort of a consistent... Uh, look through the property. Enact. Great. Uh, before we proceed, I just want to acknowledge we've received a public comment that some members of the public are having difficulty accessing this meeting. And so we've advised our technical team. We do have members of the public online here, but I guess some are having problems. Okay. So it may be an individual case, but if Okay. All right. Was that from Gerald Page or was that from somebody else? Two people. Okay. Okay. So we're looking into it right now. Thank you, Barbara. And apologies to those who are having trouble getting on. Uh, so with that, I want to go back to any additional board comments or questions before we go to the public. Yes, Commissioner Hall. Uh, my question here is more in regards to the cameras being put up. And uh, and the reason I'm asking is I think that maybe since we have people of the public here and, and the residence councils here, a little more information on how those cameras work as far as an evasion of privacy. I think rather than just saying we're so, I think we need to know a little bit more on how they're going to protect the privacy of the tenants if the cameras picks up the doors or what's happening with that. And I think it will be, it's important that we have a little bit, just a little bit more information on how they're operating as far as, that's my concern because people like their privacy and they want to know how those cameras, what images they're going to be picking up. We just had a conference call with the uh, the company Vercata that is providing uh, the cameras and the software for the cameras. Um, we had a call, and this was one of the subjects we were discussing. One of the things that Vercata can do, um, which is seems to be sort of useful and hopefully will address a lot of these concerns, is they can uh, set the cameras. They can 
uh, designate areas actually that you're looking at on the camera and black them out so the camera doesn't record any data from them. So we could in fact, so once we get the camera set up and they're looking at an area where we know we, wanna, we want to, to be able to observe and, and keep people safe, but there also might be a, a, an apartment behind it, we can actually go in and create an area around the windows and the front door and the front patio and just the camera will, will, will not record any data within those. So nobody will be looking in the windows, nobody will be looking at people's front doors, um, it, and we can set it so that it's really only, uh, only saving images from, from common areas where, where, we, where we are interested in, in protecting. And, and we're also open, of course, to further conversations about exactly where the cameras should be and shouldn't be. I mean, this is not, they're all they're all uh, they're all changeable in the way that we can orient <laughs> the cameras in, in certain directions. We we just are looking to we're looking to to be able to you know protect the the you know look out for the safety of our of our tenants and our clients. track the information stuff that's going on can you give us an idea on how they operate they, well let's see I, I'm not a, a hundred percent expert on the systems that the cameras can employ but they can do as much or as little as we tell them to do so we do not for example have um, we don't have we we don't have cameras set to identify people and, and keep track of where people are going, things like that. Um, we simply would like the ability to, if there is an event that we would like to go back and see what happened, we can go to the camera, look at the footage, and say, hey, it was right here, this is what happens. Nobody is observing people all the time. The cameras are, our, our intent for the cameras is to have them be used in a retroactive way that if something happens, we can go back and see what happened and, you know, who caused the problem or if someone got, you know, beat up or whatever happens, that we could identify who it was. We're not looking to create a video record of everything that goes on at the property. I understand it. Let me ask you this question once again. Do they have the, these cameras have the capacity to track people? Yeah, I don't. I don't know for Probably. sure what their capacity is, but they they might. Okay, but but we're not. Okay. But if we're not using that, is that? I mean, if if we're not using that feature, is that? Does that address your concerns? Yeah, that, that's a that's a concern. But I'm just worried that. So for legal purposes, that these cameras that we don't get any uh, problems with these cameras when it comes down to identification of how the camera was used to uh, get information. Okay. Well, I'm gonna ask that this item come back to us for a briefing down the road sure. with some more technical information and just provide an informational presentation. Okay. So, that's great. Any other board comments? Yes, Commissioner Lucan. Oh, I just had a, a quick one on, on the lighting. I'm glad to hear about all these improvements that are being made to lighting. Um, certainly, when you're talking about additional lighting, it's also somewhat in the eye of the beholder. Uh, if, if we have 
all of these lights that are getting repaired and turned on at the same time, um, how has that outreach been? Because uh, certainly that could be a visual change once they all are, are working, um, maybe again for the first time, or change the LED, which maybe don't spread as far but could be a little brighter in certain cases. So how are we, how are we addressing those concerns to make sure we're, we're ahead of the issue? So it's a good it's a good point. We haven't actually uh, we haven't had a outreach as it pertains to saying hey we're we're doing a big push to restore the lighting. The feedback we have gotten from residents has largely been that they're concerned when lights aren't working, and we have not at least I have not heard feedback that a you know I I don't want a light working in this one particular area, but that is a good that's a good suggestion I guess and we can we can put something out and say hey you know we're we're planning on getting every light that's existing on the property functional as it should be and we even you know and down the road when we do try to extend our lighting we're certainly going to have a process where we have someone designing and getting resident feedback from the residence council and from everybody but for this process of getting the existing lights working um, we can certainly we can put something out and, and say, hey, if anybody has any concerns that there are lights where there shouldn't be, we're we're totally open to not having them work if that's if that's what people want. I think that's good. Just just making sure the, the word's out about the repairs that are being made because at some point all the lights will come on and uh, uh, hopefully, <laughs> uh, but that that creates a, a, a visual change. Maybe if you're not used to it, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll just chime in that we've done, we and PG&E have done public lighting programs that have ended up being a little brighter or not focused, so I, I think the front-end input might be good uh, with the residents. So uh, with that, I want to open a public comment now and invite members of the public to come up and comment on the director's report. And I see Royce McLemore. I hope you'll share from the Residence Council. Yes. Um, as it relates to, to the lights and, well, to the cameras, um, what other of the other properties have cameras watching? You know, it's really police state. That's the bottom line. Where, uh, right? That's that's a question. We and we were not really part of it. You know, you're coming after the fact. So we definitely need to really talk about it in terms of before these cameras are put in. Um, the lights, like the, the man said, or the supervisor said, uh, if everything is lit, you'd be able to see. And so um, that that's one thing. Number two is, as it relates to the rest of the report, <clears throat> um, it's good that some of the, the driveways are getting paved, but he only mentioned one. There's you, you go for eighty nine ninety nine forty nine fifty nine there well all of them really are in need. Let me just you know make it plain uh also we um again all what other pro uh properties are getting cameras faced at their at their door or all around um, then you have uh as it relates to i know there was said that there was a meeting where 40 residents were there. I, now, I've gone to all the meetings, and there has not been one 
that had 40 people that attended the meeting. So I don't know uh, where that number, you know, came from. And I'm, I'm making it a purpose to participate so that, in fact, uh, I can see who's coming out and be able to talk to residents right there. You've got to, you know, wherever you can meet them. As the MHA is able to get all of this money to do everything under the sun, but they can't get money for double-paying windows. My bill, and I'm on, I'm on a limited income, $399 for one month, $344 one month. Uh, you know, and all I'm hearing is excuses, excuses, and when later on down the line. But double-paying windows is definitely what is needed uh, throughout the whole entire complex, and it would not be so exorbitant. You could also, just in terms of the whole, um, you know, because it's historic, but there are ways that they can have double-pane windows even in this, uh, in our historic district. Um, that's it for now. I'll be back. Um, Anything about your block captains or things that the Residence Council is doing you'd like to report out on? Well, uh, this is just on her report. Mm -hmm. I, I just thought you might want to. Yeah, I'll be back. Great. Good. Okay. Anyone else? Well, since you ask, <laughs> you know. Have at it. No, yeah. Uh, I Well, I heard part of it within her report is uh, I just have to say that the resident council, um, I'm going to see how much you're going to be smiling when I get through. Uh, the resident council was illegally evicted from our facility in 2010. And we've been, and our rights were taken away and weren't restored until 2014 when our residents went to federal court and prevailed. We were supposed to, we thought that we would get uh, our office space back. We were evicted, illegally evicted from our office space, um, but that never happened. And once Bridge the Gap left, we thought, maybe now. However, no, we do have one space, but that whole entire building was uh, designed, rehabbed with the residents in mind and with the residents at the table. What is happening is Big Brother is telling us what we really need. Like we don't have the ability to know what we need as residents. And prior to getting evicted by the housing authority illegally, we had full-scale programs going on in the entire facility. So, um, you know, I'll be back. Is there anyone else in the chambers that'd like to make public comment? If not, we'll go online. Okay, we'll move to online comment. There's three comments in commenters in the line. The first speaker is Beverly Freeman. Please unmute. Hi, um, good afternoon. Um, I'd like to quickly just mention um, in reference to how proud one is of the maintenance. Um, ever since I've been living there, maintenance has been substandard. That's one thing. And then... Um, I find it really difficult to be with the fact that there has been no effort to raise funds to weatherize our units. 
the doors, airs coming in, and like Royce mentioned, the windows. That's the next thing. And then the third and most pressing thing, I haven't heard anything about the tankless heater, gas heaters, which are going to be outlawed, and they want to put them in. Um, but the biggest thing is how the resident council was removed from the, the buildings at 101, 103, 105, and 107 Drake. Um, Roy stated illegally and all that. And then once Bridge the Gap leaves, the housing authority comes in and takes possession of it, uses it, and we have to go to them as residents for permission to be able to do what we want to do. Uh, reservations for the space is on the website for Marin Housing Authority. And like Roy said, Prior to being Ill illegally removed from the space, the, the housing, I mean, the uh, Golden Gate Village Resident Council was in total management and operation of those, uh, that space. And so no other property on Marin Housing Authority has Marin Housing Authority offices and staff and employees on their, on their property. Just... Golden Gate Village. And I don't think that's fair. The way that they would lost it was horribly. And I think some blood needs to be picked, some needs to be cleaned up before you go ahead forward. Thank, thank you for your comments. Next speaker. The next speaker is Tony Schroyer. Please unmute. Hello, Tony Schroyer, Novato resident. Hi. And I just want to say thank Royce McLemore for her constant um, advocating for her community. Double-paned windows should be a basic right. I can't even believe it's 2023 and we're in county and we're still having this conversation. Moreover, we've had a very patronizing government towards these good people at Golden Gate Village, and the units need to be weatherized. I mean, this is just basic uh, needs. Moreover, I've been in the units, and I invite all the supervisors to be in some of the units, and they are not up to date standards and uh, it's not acceptable and we need to upgrade these units with green energy and I completely agree with Royce. Uh, we need to have more habitable housing and the fact that the residence council was evicted in 2010 and still don't have their rights. We are the government, the county government is really oppressing this great community and it needs to stop. So please, going forward, we need double-pane windows at the very least. The government stop patronizing this great community and have weatherized units. Thank you. The next speaker is Mark. Please unmute. Hi, my name is Marguerite Moriarty. Um, I need to rename myself on this. Um, but I just want to say that I believe it was Adrian or Mike um, when they were talking about um, some of the issues. And they said the word one of those men used was valuable. And the word that is needed is that the residence council input on this entire project is essential. E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L. And I'm a member of St. Anselm's Church Marin Organizing Committee, 
and I am going to keep showing up at every one of these meetings. This is essential that this, this project that has, you know, lagged for so long. I mean, one of the elderly ladies that lived there is dead and she'll never even see the, the refurbishment of the project. Um, so uh, just please keep moving, moving forward and the council is essential, not valuable, essential. It's necessary. Their voice needs to be heard. Thank you. The next speaker is Jerry Miller. Please unmute. Hi. Um, I, um, I was at the meeting uh, last March when the commission voted to accept the green revitalization plan put forward by the residence council. Um, and I actually attended the last residence council uh, meeting. And um, Adrian, you and Kimberly both referred to the fact that um, communication with the residence council is really um, important. And our last speaker said it's essential. I couldn't agree more, but when I was at that last meeting, um, I'm sure you saw and heard the uh, impact on the residents who were at the meeting when they heard about the putting in gas instead of um, you know what they want, which is paying attention to windows. Um, so I just don't understand um, why you would approve a contract for polluting technology like gas that the Golden Gate village residents will then be stuck with going forward and that if you're talking about communication with them I think it was really clear that that is not what they want thank you the next speaker is Rodrigo Izquierdo please unmute um, hi I, I would just like to uh, mention um, the inequity of um, how you allow people to speak or not speak. And uh, the two minutes is really inadequate for some people who have a lot to say and who really go through a, a lot of trouble to get there. And uh, to be cut off with two minutes, whereas you let other speakers go on and on, uh, it's just, uh, just totally not fair. And you're kind of just doing yourself a disservice to yourselves and to the to knowledge and the public and in particular you 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 cut off uh you know Eva Crisante who really goes through a lot of trouble to get there you know that she bicycles in and she's pretty much dying to get there and to give her two minutes is just it, it is so totally unfair and you know immoral of, of you to to just cut her off and then you let other people just go on and on. So, you know, you're just not really kind of having the principle of, of, of hearing to the Brown Act. And the Brown Act asked that their recommendation was three minutes. Um, and then it's only when you had like, you know, a, a huge amount of people that you went into the two minutes, but now you're pretty much going into two minutes pretty much to uh, stifle people from speaking. You, you don't really want criticism. So the best way to do it is to 
to make sure that they don't have an ability to finish paragraphs, sentences, and presentations. Uh, that is just simply wrong. And I, please make exceptions. Thank you. The next speaker is Susanna Saunders. Please unmute. Uh, good afternoon, Council uh, Supervisors. My name is Susanna Saunders, a climate activist with many local Marin groups, but I comment here today as an individual. I'm wondering today um, about the plan to place natural gas water heaters at the Golden Gate Village. I'm puzzled why this is being allowed instead of electric water heaters. I have learned from investigating my sister's need to replace her petroleum-powered water heater that on-demand water heaters actually require a tremendous amount of energy. We know that methane, which is natural gas, traps heat at 25 times the ability, uh, the amount of carbon dioxide. Uh, we know that our recent extreme weather events that we cannot afford to add any more fossil fuels to the atmosphere. If the Marin Housing Authority wants to put water heaters, gas water heaters in low ride buildings, regardless, why can't they be powered by electricity? What specifically is inadequate about the electrical infrastructure? If the infrastructure is inadequate, then this should be addressed first as part of the deep green revitalization plan, rather than subjecting Golden Gate Village residents to a highly polluting old technology that is already being phased out in Marin. And Marin County, by adopting the Marin County REACH codes, has taken tremendous climate action. So I am honestly baffled by this choice. To their credit, Marin County ad adopted the building electrification reach codes that include renovations for single family homes. So please provide the Golden Gate Village residents the same clean energy and public health benefits that single family homeowners will have. Thank you. President Molden Peters, uh, we have one more speaker. Uh, Jerry Cunin, please unmute. Good afternoon, the rest of the, my of my public of the public and commissioners. I want to thank you for this meeting, but I also would suggest that if we each were to look at the agenda, we would find things like the discussion about the water heaters, about energy efficiency. I believe is the next item on the agenda. So I appreciate everyone's fervor in being experts, but perhaps we could be a little less, a little more expert in what we're doing if we simply looked at what the process is and the items on the agenda today, instead of spending our time attacking each other. This is an opportunity to support Golden Gate Village, to support the housing authority, to support the county of Marin in creating housing. I also suggest that we support the other public housing types, which are senior and senior disabled and the need for additional housing. I am so tired of the bickering that I hear in public comment. I am pleading with all of you to please come together, do your best to find what works and support each other in achieving that goal. Thank you for your time. President Mold Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, I'll bring it back to our executive director. I believe you had commented about plans for weatherization. You might want to speak to that and some of the other things you heard today. Sure. 
let me start with um, cameras. So for cameras, we, we do have cameras at all of our senior all of our public housing properties. So it, it they are installed everywhere. They haven't been they haven't been reinstalled in Golden Gate Village after they were taken down a few years ago. So we will we'll be looking at that. Um, I uh, for forty I just wanted to comment for forty residents showed up at our first time home ownership workshop. And so that was a, 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 a meeting that we did have. And then we had 17 residents that showed up at our um, Golden Gate Village investment funds. I just wanted to clarify that. As far as double-paned windows, we are going to be doing double-paned window. That's what we all agreed to. Um, I mean, we'll definitely be doing them. It's part of our revitalization. We do need the funding to come in through our tax credits and other ways. We don't have the funding for double-paned windows right now. But that is absolutely going to happen as we renovate and re restore Golden Gate Village. So please know that is happening um, and will be, uh, will be happening. Um, as far as weatherization, we do have a, a, a team that um, we're working on putting together right now to do the weather stripping and other items in all of the, in all of the public housing units uh, to see what we can address. We are also looking at the option of purchasing some kind of honeycomb of blinds as a as a stopgap um, measure until we get to the revitalization windows. I just had a window in my home repaired. It took it's six months on back order to even get a window. We have a, a property right now, uh, a, a unit in Golden Gate Village that's been uh, had a burnt uh, fire, and that unit where it's all done except for the windows. It's been on back order for six months now too. So. Windows are something that we hear, but we have to figure out what the, what the stop measure gap is going to be in the interim before the revitalization happens. Um, I, I want to, I think that was, uh, oh, um, yeah, I think that was it on following up with what I heard. Yeah, I'd like to thank you for a very thorough director's report, and I, I'm sure this will appear in the minutes. I wonder if it might also be possible to put it out the night before in writing. We have other boards where the executive director makes these available, and it goes out to, uh, goes online. But it really was informative. There was a lot of good data. And then finally, I think it would be helpful if when Adrian and Mike report out on some of their maintenance discussions, if we could just hear some of the high the issues that they're encountering and how they plan to address them, I think that would be helpful to hear the feedback that they are getting. Uh, so, but thank you very much for that report. That uh, takes us now to item number 8D. This is a request to approve an agreement with the Richardson Bay Regional Agency to administer a housing support program. And uh, I'll let our executive director and team talk more about it. I'm very excited about this since I also serve on the board of that agency and know what a help this will be. Thank you. Great. Yes, we're excited to do. This is an innovative pro project that we're working with the Richardson Bay Regional Housing um, to create a, a, an agency housing support program. And um, what we're asking here is for you to authorize a, a, a contract. It's a three-year contract with Richardson Bay. Um, agency to house the anchor out communities of individuals and families that are living in Richardson Bay. Um, as a background, some of the uh, this agreement between RBRA and the Bay Conservation and Development Commission was signed in August of 2021, and this required a phased approach to remove all the illegally anchored vessels in out of um, Richardson Bay by October 15th of 2026. 
And as of September 20, as of September of last year, there were approximately 57 unhoused individuals staying on vessels anchored on the water of the bay beyond the permitted limit of the 72 hours. Um, to address this imminent housing concern for this anchor out community, RBRA Board of Directors adopted a transition plan that provided goals, policies, objectives, strategies, and other direction to facilitate the relocation of individuals located on vessels to safe housing on land or in authorized liveaboard marina slips, while recognizing that many, if not most, have limited financial means and that there is resistance among the anchor outs to relocating off of the anchored um, vessels. Um, to help find an affordable housing solution for the anchor out community, RBRA has asked to partner with the Housing Authority and Health and Human Services to provide the RBRA Housing Support Program. This is, this is supported by one-time state funds. The program will provide a local subsidized housing scattered site support program for the anchor out communities. And Marin Housing will administer housing assistance payments to local landlords to create new affordable housing opportunities for up to 17 households per year under this contract. And MHA will also provide housing navigation services to support the families and individuals in locating housing and utilizing this local voucher. Referrals to the RBRA housing support program will be provided to Marin Housing through the county's coordinated entry program. Referrals for case management services through Health and Human Services will also be provided to those families qualifying and needing additional case management services. This local housing assistance program will really mirror our HUD Section 8 program. Eligible re requirements for this program are that participants must have lived in Richardson Bay as of June 1st, 2022, be extremely low or very low income in accordance with HUD guidelines, and that they will agree to remove their vessels from the Richardson Bay. And this project is being fully funded through, um, through state funds that the RBRA was able to obtain. And we are, we're anticipating the annual budget for 2023 to be a half a million dollars. I do have Brad Gross, the executive director from RBRA, here also to answer any questions if, if needed. I would welcome Brad uh, to the podium just to say a little more, and I want to acknowledge uh, Steve McGraws here, our outgoing interim executive director who helped put this program together. Welcome, Brad. Brad Gross, I am the new executive director for RBRA. I am on day 12. Um, so I want to uh, acknowledge Mr. McGraw, who's really been working on this program. He's the interim, the, the exiting interim executive director who really uh, put this program together with your staff. And I can answer questions. We're familiar with the program, but I would really turn anything over that's more technical to Mr. McGraw. I think what would be helpful is just to explain, uh, just in layperson, we got the good report, but w where this fits into the housing strategy for our BRA. Well, 
the, the problem has been identified through the settlement agreement with the BCDC as far as the boats that are uh, illegally anchored in Richardson Bay. Our goal, our, our first goal is to clear the boats out of the eelgrass protection zone. That's one of the environmental sensitive areas that we're going to focus on first. With this program, a lot of these mariners don't have the resources to A, get into a marina, upgrade their vessels, or get into housing if they so choose. With this program, uh, they will be able to um, they will be able to exercise some of these options. Uh, the first um, program that we're going to have with them is they are going to have to sign an agreement that the vessel will leave Richardson Bay and not return. If that's not one of the options they'd like to entertain, then we'll have some other options as far as our vessel buyback program where they turn the vessel into us for uh, an agreed upon price and then we will take possession of the boat and we'll dispose of the boat. Or they can use the vessel, uh, the VTIP program, the vessel turn-in program, which works the same way as a buyback program. They don't get any funds, but we get the boat back. We'll, de we'll destroy the boat, dispose of it properly, and we'll be reimbursed by the Department of Boating and Waterways. This program uh, gives those mariners the opportunity to take advantage of all of the um, programs that, that Marin Housing has to offer and assist these folks to get, if they so wish, to get off the water into housing. talk about what scattered site means in this is it is it really giving each person a voucher and and assistance to find something or is it more than that it it, it is that it's take, taking each person and giving them a, a, a section 8 like voucher and they will be able to go out and find housing anywhere in the, in the county with, with housing navigation services. So we will have our housing locators working with them, going out to, into the boat, into the anchor out community, working directly with folks to process, do all the paperwork to get and find housing. These are, so this actual grant from the state will be paying for the subsidies. So it is a direct, it, it's, so it's really allocated to this group of, of individuals for this purpose. And we're just using the, the federal guidelines of the Section 8 program to mirror, to create, and to implement the program. Uh, Commissioner Rice? Yeah, uh, Commissioner, so I could just ask my questions except one more follow-up. So how long will the state be funding these vouchers? This program is a three-year program. And as, um, as what we will be doing is as folks can, we, we have, a, we have a, um, a preference on our wait list that we can start referring people onto the wait list to, and so they will be able to get a voucher through the Section 8 program as it transitions off. Really, really creative um, in terms of marrying up again with those kinds of services that MHA has been providing in terms of navigation and uh, I, you know, helping to identify housing, et cetera. So um, glad to see the state stepping up in this way and also being able to take advantage of MHA's expertise in this area. Is there other questions from the board? Um, I, I may be wrong, but I thought in the beginning you said um, to help them with uh, land voucher or marina slips. So will you, that's the part I was confused about. Like, will you, for people that want to stay on their boat, will they be allowed, will you pay a slip fee or? 
Chair Milton Peters, a member of the commission. Thank you, Brad Groskin. I'm going to turn the rest of the questions over to Mr. McGraw. I do want him to have a little bit of say, and he's worked so hard on it, I think it's only appropriate for him to answer your questions. Uh, thank you, Chair Milton Peters. Commissioners, um, this program is made possible through uh, state funding, and for that we have to thank Senator McGuire, uh, the leadership of uh, Chair Milton Peters in her role as a county supervisor and as chair of the board of the RBRA. The program was initially set up with uh, a division of funds between uh, marina-based housing opportunities, whether it was slips, whether it was even the development of a new dock and completely new slips, um, and then the land-based housing program. Because we were unsure at that time of the role and the position that BCDC would take in this, we made our application very flexible. So while there is provision for the opportunity for getting vessels into slips, we said in that application that if that was not successful, we could transition those funds over to land-based housing and support for the program that Marine Housing Authority and Kimberley are putting together. Um, at this point, uh, it does seem difficult to... Certainly the idea of developing new slips, brand new slips on a new dock is not feasible. Um, getting the vessels into slips, it should be recognized that many of the vessels, if not all of the vessels out on the water, are not currently suitable for placement in a slip. Oh. Uh, not registered, uh, not insured, uh, and not seaworthy. However, um, I am, uh, in my uh, experience over the last 11 days, I think Brad said it was, 12, <laughs> working with Brad, Brad is nothing if not creative, and if there's an opportunity to find a way to use some of these funds to get folks in, into marinas uh, on boats, then he will find it. I hope that answers your question. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, uh, thank you. I think that is it for the presentation. I will open to public comment right now, if there is any. I'm going to look in the chambers to see if there's anyone. I'm not seeing anyone. Is there anyone online? President Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, then we will bring this back now for a vote. Uh, is there a motion uh, to move this item? I will move the item and just offer a one one comment. Um, uh, you know, thinking about how can we really get the word out about this program? I remember many years ago under the Biden or uh, no, it was under the Obama administration, uh, they had the Cash for Clunkers program uh, for getting old vehicles off the road. I just thought this is very much a vouchers for vessels. Um, type of thing, just uh, throwing something out there. I'll let the creative folks come up with something. But uh, yes, it's very complicated how it all works, but as much as we could simplify it um, and turn it into something, I think that's always a win. So with that, I'm proud to uh, uh, make a motion uh, for adoption of this. Thank you. Okay, motion and second. All in favor? Aye. Okay, that passes. In particular, thanks to Commissioner Lucan for your marketing tip there. Okay. All right. Okay. We are going to move now to item number 8E. And uh, we have received a lot of public comment about this, and we are going to be responding to that. Uh, so if you would, Director. And, be and before we go there, I'm sorry, I just want to make sure I, I think Steve McGrath has done an amazing job of working with us to think creatively and outside the box to really find a solution for this group of homeless people. And after the storms, we can see how 
important it is that the folks aren't living out on an on a unsafe uh, vessel. So I just want to really applaud all the effort that the RBRA under Steve's leadership, and I'm looking forward to working with Brad now, too. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, and thank you for your creativity, too, Kimberly. It was good teamwork. Okay, and on this next item, so, you know, I want to stop actually for a second because what we've what we've heard we heard we uh, my staff went to the resident council on Monday evening I was um, in with the Napa conference with the commissioners and um, we heard that this was not what people wanted so we're gonna stop for a minute and and review so um, I think I want to have um, Brian um, Labrie from Johnson's come and just have a, be able to share some information as well. But what we're, we're really looking at, um, what I'm hearing is, you know, what we, we want to do is look at the enhanced electrical panels. Right now, what our, what our goal was, and I just want to say this, is our, our goal was is to provide um, energy-efficient HVAC systems to the low-rise unit in Golden Gate Village. The idea was that we would be providing air conditioning and energy-efficient heating along with the ta tankless water heaters, and those are all sort of in this one me mechanical closet, and the way it configured, this was all going to be an upgrade. Um, but the, the electrical panels will not, we don't have enough electricity in Golden Gate Village because of the configuration to support all of that. So then we were putting in these um, gas. There are gas water tanks in there now. We were going to replace them with this t tankless water um, um, water heaters, sorry, um, that we're going to give the resident a break to their resident, to their bill, um, and because the gas, you know, it's not doing it, he, um, heating up this full tank constantly. But we're hearing that that is not where the direction of the residents want to go at this point, and so we've had um, our, our architect, our, our engineers were out there on the property reviewing, and we're going to sort of um, take a minute and review what are our other options. So to that point, I'm just going to let Brian Labrie fill us in. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you, Board of uh, Commissioners. I appreciate the time to be able to speak to you today. As, as Kimberly had mentioned, we have engineers that are currently on site right now looking at the electrical system as well as the, uh, the existing infrastructure. The proposed project for the HVAC is looking at electric heat pumps. That's electric heating and cooling and heat pumps are extremely energy intensive which is the reason why we were not originally looking at electric water heaters because the electrical infrastructure not not only the panels but the feeders uh, potentially even the uh, lines coming off from the poles to the to the buildings as well as other utility side infrastructure like transformers were not capable of handling the additional electric load of the electric water heaters um, but we've received very, very clear feedback that it's a desire to be able to do this and it's a desire to do this now. So we are going to be looking at and evaluating what it's going to entail to upgrade the electrical infrastructure of those units to allow for electric water heaters and uh, to be able to provide a comprehensive solution both for the, um, the electric heating, cooling, and water heating. The goal is to provide the best solution. Question: Your engineers will be assessing the feasibility of whether we can actually do electric system. Is that right? I mean, it's not. We haven't figured that out yet. Correct? Well, it's going to be looking at what the scope of work would entail, what it's going to cost, how much funding we can get through Marin Clean Energy, as well as additional 
uh, rebate sources and grant funding to help offset the costs or hopefully try to fund the majority of the costs of these electrical improvements. Upgrading our electrical system to accommodate these improvements, correct? It does not exist right now. Correct. When I when I meant, when I say the words electrical improve, improvements, I'm I'm um, describing like the electric panels in the units, the feeders from the utility, potentially if we have to do transformers, things of that nature, that will all be evaluated. Yeah, I, I just think it's important to underscore that we don't have the electrical capability. Is that correct? Right. Correct. Correct. Right now, it is in it is not possible to implement electric heat pumps and electric water heaters use, uh, using the existing electrical system. It is not possible, which is the reason why we were looking at gas water heaters. It's the only reason. I mean, this is, yeah, right. it's the only reason why we were evaluating that in the first place. Okay. So based on this, we're doing an abbreviated presentation today. We are going to take public comment. That was your presentation, so I can ask her commissioner questions at this point. Yes, Commissioner Canson. I thought this was in conjunction with the, uh, you were trying to do air conditioning as well. Is that being pushed out too? The, the uh, HVAC is not necessarily being pushed out. The, it's on the same schedule. Both of these were going to be done in parallel. So we're, we're still moving along the same path. This was just on the um, agenda to be approved earlier, but the funding and the construction are both tied to the hip. So, so what I'm asking specifically, so um, similar with the air conditioning, you're going to push it out and make sure you have the electric capacity for? Yes. Okay. Uh, just one, I'm, I'm looking at this picture here that this is a very tight tight closet and space to work with. Um, uh, if, if there is a way to do all electric, do you ha would you have to remove whatever water heater uh, is placed in to be able to get to and install the heat pump when that time comes? The solution is going to be, uh, it's, when we work on those closets, it's going to be doing both at the same time. All at the same, okay. Yeah, yeah we're not, we don't want to, we, we're going to limit uh, resident disruption by getting both done, both, of the, both the HVAC and the water heater at the same time. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, and I think it totally makes sense to be pausing and relooking at this. Um, but I totally understand uh, the limitations of an older electrical system. And so my question is, um, so were any changes to panel or panel upgrades or capacity or infrastructure generally going to be needed just even to do the heat pumps? That's something that our, our, our engineers are confirming right now. We're looking at all options, and we're working very closely with the with the utility and other um, funding sources to be able to find the best overall solution for it all. Thank you. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the update, and I do think it's appropriate to kind of take a pause and take a look at this, and hopefully, when you do it, you look at it from the perspective of what do we gain long term by doing this electrical upgrade sooner than later. And I think, I think what you were proposing and the efficiencies and what we're trying to achieve is really, really a good effort, but I think we can take it a little bit further and, and make it even better by looking at the electrical system. So I really appreciate that, that thought and that opportunity. So thank you. It's more of a comment, but I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let you go this time. Okay. Yeah, since this will come back, I just wanted to, on the presentation, the Section 3, Engage, Educate, and Employ, I don't know if that's an MHA or a Johnson Controls, but I had a couple questions on that since it'll be coming back. One 
one part of it on educating the residents, it says pre-qualify resident for open section three positions. And I don't know what open section three positions. Can you pull are. it up? And then on the, um, sorry, I was going to get. Yeah. And then on the, the next section on employ, employing rate residents. There, there we go. Yeah. So in that second section, pre-qualifying open section three, just defining what that means. And then on the employing residents, this first bullet says meeting all background and drug testing requirements. Um, <laughs> And just fleshing out what that means and also partnering with some of the other programs that we may have. I know that the Clean Slate program is coming back um, this month and just kind of thinking, you know, can we make this not a limitation but an opportunity um, in working with other programs, et cetera, that we have um, for our residents. Thanks. Yes. Commissioner Sackett, the, um, the Section 3 is a federal requirement for if you're using federal dollars in a project so that, we, that we hire residents or people who are low income. We try to create some, some generate some employment and um, some activity for folks. So we do partner. The last time we did this, we did partner with the um, CDC, which is the uh, Marin City Community Districts. Development Corporation right you, next thank door. Thank you. I was like, all of a sudden, I couldn't remember. Uh -huh. um, and, and they do have a whole trades program and a maintenance program and employment. So we would be partnering with them. We Last time we did a job fair, we had a lot of people show up. And, and, and so we, we anticipate, we really want to start recruiting that. Uh, I mean, recruiting people and work with folks. Our, our time frame was to start the work in September. Is that right? Or, March through July, we were going to be um, working with residents and educating residents. That may be n not so soon. It may be a little bit further back now, but we're still going to be looking at that. Um, and the, the Clean Slate program, great idea, and we can work on see how we can figure out those, you know, how to make that connection with people and help people to really be ready for these jobs. And there are going to be a lot of jobs. As we do this re whole revitalization, I mean, this is just like the tip of the iceberg, but there will be a lot of different jobs that will be available um, with the renovation in Golden Gate Village that so we're excited to really bring in residents to help us. Okay, I'm, I'm not seeing any commissioner comments. Uh, public comment. Barbara, you are poised to come. <laughs> Barbara Bogart. Fortunately, I don't have to make the comment that I intended to make this afternoon. Instead, I just want to express my gratitude um, for your understanding the issue, for your deciding to pause. Um, this, the leadership uh, that you all have shown on climate change has been extraordinary. And I had a long list of all the ways you've shown your leadership on climate change. And I, it was just incomprehensible to me that we were looking at, what, 132 new gas-powered units? Um, so thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Uh, we realize that the infrastructure isn't there, but it makes sense then to first address the infrastructure. Let's look at a microgrid, for instance, at Golden Gate Village or in Marin City. That would be one way to start to address this. Let's do this. Let's honor this commitment to deep green rehabilitation and do it right from the beginning. So... We thank you very much 
for hearing us, and we hope to continue to work in um, collaboration with all of you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, I wish communication, two-way street. I wish I had known before I wrote this. Um, but going forward, I, I'm still going to read it because it'll let everyone serve notice on everyone uh, of where I'm coming from. Now, I understand you talk the grid, this, that, and the other, but my concern is Golden Gate Village as a National Historic District. And so, and, and the way that the Housing Authority staff was trying to push this through. So after more investigation regarding this issue, um, they were attempting to promote this as a maintenance matter, but it's not. Under the guise of a maintenance issue, but in fact, it's a rehab issue. MHA is proposing to put outdoor vac HVAC units at all the Lozerized homes, which would have created an adverse impact, both visual visually as well as the sounds that they make. And this would be for 132 units. This is insane. The residents in the low-rises have a very small yard space, as it is, and to place the HVAC unit in their front yard is absurd with no respect for the hardship that it would create. The only reason why MHA is doing this is because they spent over $917,000 that they owed HUD, and this was going to be their scheme to get the funds to repay HUD. Again, which is true, again, MHA refuses to recognize that uh, Golden Gate Village is a national historic district, which includes the entire site as well as apartment buildings. What would make more sense would be to replace the boilers at the high-rise uh, apartment buildings where it has been documented and that there is a real critical need. Residents of the high-rise apartments have suffered with, without adequate heating for years and not the residents of the low-rise apartments. MHA has been informed on this on multiple occasions yet ignored the real uh, need. So I just want to say thank you for putting it on hold. But when it goes forward, uh, remember that Golden Gate Village, like where we're located this second, uh, is a National Historic District. And it, it's my job to make sure that it's respected like our Marin Civic Center. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon. I'm uh, Gail Bates, and I'm a resident of Inverness, and I didn't really plan to speak on this because I didn't know about the change of events, but I did want to bring up some uh, potential funding sources. Uh, if you'll recall back in November, we had the meeting, and HUD talked about how they looked at the IRA money, and there was a, a billion dollars in the HUD funding, but it didn't seem applicable to Golden Gate Village. But what he didn't mention is that EPA has $27 billion dollars, and the Department of Energy has $10 billion that are all going into different kinds of energy conservation programs. And about 60% of these funds are targeted to low-income and disadvantaged communities, including Section 8 housing. And um, so, for example, there's one program under HUD 
that provides um, upgrades, including upgrades to the electrical panels, not just putting in the heat pumps and paying for them, but upgrading the panels. And that's called the HEERC DOE program. Sorry, I didn't have all my materials with me. But anyway, I think there's a lot of great resources yeah. under the IRA in addition to the HUD allocated money, to the DOE, uh, the um, EPA money, and also uh, Treasury Department has big funds. And so I think if you could look into that, you might find some uh, good resources. Thank you. Uh, any other speakers? I see we have one online, so we'll move online now. The first speaker is Jeanez Reynolds. Please unmute. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to thank you all for putting this on pause and um, especially listening to the residents. Thanks so very much. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Okay, we'll bring it back. Yes, are there more? Oh, I'm sorry. Speakers. Yep, more have popped up. Okay. The next speaker is Mar. Please unmute. Hello again. Uh, this is Marguerite Moriarty. I spoke earlier about the essential, and I'm glad that um, you're taking a pause here and listening to the residents. As I said, I think that's really essential and important, and Thank you, and I apologize if I was a little um, uh, over, um, or just a little worked up. So thank you for your work. Yep, thank you. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Yes, Johnson Reynolds. I live in the Canal area. Um, I'm a member of Christian High Methodist Church. Uh, Part of MOC, our church is part of MOC, but yeah, that, this is a, a, a good step to pause because it is a, a national historical district that um, uh, I can, uh, <laughs> that that was said, um, and so let's keep with that. That we need to provide all kind of building with electrical um, uh, help. So rather than gas anymore. So thank you very much. The next speaker is Damien. Please unmute. Hello. Good afternoon. Um, I, well, first thing is um, the County of Marin, uh, you have a, uh, an ugly history regarding, um, well, first, okay. Kimberly, Director Carroll, you have mentioned today many times uh, regarding job trainings. You have mentioned many times regarding uh, job creations, job creation uh, for employment. But, um, you know, the county has an ugly history of throwing away applications on many levels. Many levels, the county has thrown away applications. Now, I won't talk about the application throwaway of of um, potential renters now, but the county has admitted, the county has admitted to throwing away applications of people from Marin City who applies for jobs at the county. So at the moment, we won't talk about your rental throwaway applications, just your job, people who are from Marin City who apply at the county for jobs, county employees have admitted to throwing away applications of black folk from Marin City. So as you brag and boast, as you brag and boast about job creations, job trainings and all that, I think you need to do, do some internal work and stop throwing away applications of black folk from Marin City on, at the county, county level. 
So, you know, this song and dance and, and, and hugging and kissing regarding job trainings. Furthermore, furthermore, you know, going back to when I got out of high school, you guys would come to Marin City and talk about job trainings and job creations. And the, the 30 years I've been out of high school, you haven't been a part of any job training of creation one bit. It's all sing and dance. It's a bunch of lies. Do some homework at the county. Fix your problem first. Then talk about job creation and job trainings. Thank you. The next speaker is Susan Rangish. Please unmute. Yes, good afternoon, commissioners. Um, I'd just like to amplify what Royce McLemore said uh, about the real problem being the lack of heat in the high-rise buildings due to the failing boilers and the lack of maintenance. We've heard this over and over again at various meetings, and it's a very serious problem that it's, it's been brought to Marin Housing Authority's attention multiple times and I guess my question is, why is it not being addressed before the low rises are saddled with these um, unsightly things that really these HVAC units um, don't seem to be desirable to the residents or to meet with the historic uh, nature of the property? So. If they're moving forward with the idea of just addressing the low rises, I'd really like to hear why the real problem isn't being addressed in, in the uh, high rise buildings. Thank you. Okay. Thank, Peters, there are no yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, I'd like to bring it back uh, for just a comment from our executive director about addressing the boilers because we are addressing the boilers. Could you or Adrian please remind us what we heard last month about the boilers? This on? Yeah. <laughs> Could you repeat that, please? Yeah. Would you please tell us about the three boilers that you have purchased or in the process of purchasing for the heat in the high-rise buildings? Correct. So we had one that failed last year, the, towards the end of last year, and we replaced it. It took a while to get the actual boiler. So we actually have on order another boiler just in case one fails. And as ones fail, we will order another one on top of that so that we can stay in front of it. Each boiler, by the way, costs about $32,000 just for the unit. That's not including installation and replacement of the other one. Thank you. So you are making provisions to yes, keep the boilers being working in the high-rise. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I, I just want to say that, um, you know, as, we, as we're taking a pause and we're really looking at what kind of funding and grants there are out there for in, enhancing the electrical panels, I mean, we will look at all options, you know, high-rise, low-rise, maybe we... But, but um, I just want to be really clear. We, if we can't find the funding in a w for upgrading electrical panels, everything will just have to wait until we get, we, we, we get to the renovation stage. So my hope was we were going to really be able to do some upgrades, energy upgrades for our, our residents now, uh, but that may have to wait. So I just want to be really clear. We are looking, and you know, Johnson Control will work with us, and we're looking at grants and other options to up 
to get the electrical upgrades there, and then we'll decide how we best can address the needs. Thank you. I think Commissioner uh, Rice had a comment. Yeah, thank you. A um, couple things. Um, I'm glad that you have MC, you're partnering with MC in terms of doing some research and due diligence, and they do have a pretty deep bench in terms of expertise around grant funding as well. So I think that that's a really good partnership to take advantage of. Um, also, Kimberly, I'm really glad that you spoke about how important it was to, even at, while we put a pause on these uh, gas uh, water heaters, um, the water heater issue in the low rise that um, the other energy efficiency upgrades uh, need to move forward. In fact, all those things like eventually the w double, double pane windows, but um, weather stripping now, window coverings, those are all things actually that should happen regardless uh, if you've got double pane windows and electric um, uh, water heaters or heating devices. And then lastly, just, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, everybody would love to have the perfect solution, but ultimately, whether we're talking about these, the water heater solution um, or the boilers, there may need to be trade-offs between being as green as we might be able to be, um, addressing aesthetics, cost, and also um, timing. So I just think we have to keep the whole picture in mind and recognize there may need to be some trade-offs in the end. So those are my comments. Yeah, I would add on to that. It's a balancing act. We're trying to plan for the <coughs> ultimate large project while we're doing interim improvements. I own gas tankless water heaters. They're wonderful. They've reduced my bills. They work well. Uh, they're more efficient. They release less methane and nit nitrine. So, you know, they're not bad, and they're an interim uh, solution. And if that isn't what's wanted, then we can just leave things as they are. But let's get the feasibility study done and come back and tell us what you found and what's feasible. Yeah. I'd just like to add one more comment as well when it concerns the HVAC systems and the external condensers that we have. This building, which is a Frank Lloyd Wright building and is historic, has those self-same units around the outside of the building. Well, lots of people have them at their homes. So thank you very much. We'll bring this back. Uh, I, I think. Okay, please, one more. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask, when you're looking at uh, the systems, like you, I'm assuming you mean for 419 when you say you bought a backup boiler? Correct. So um, can you maybe have somebody look at the feasibility of doing that vent that goes up um, that was talked about with PG&E. Um, Actually, Mike will have to address that because he was involved with the plumber when they were talking about venting. If you're, you're talking about venting of the boiler where you and I were at the installation, yes. the way it is currently vented meets code, um, we, can, we can add an extension to it. I was uh, just uh, suggesting that maybe you have somebody take a look as you're doing these feasibility studies. It might be nice absolutely. to have somebody take a look at that. I know that you say it meets code, and I remember what PG&E said, but my concern is that um, they 
there's still some natural gas escaping from there. And it, and it's, you know, there's already gas stoves. It's just not a good situation. You can still smell the gas. One of, one of the things that we can look forward to in the revitalization is that if we can find a way to accomplish our water heating through electrical means, as we've talked about, we can eliminate all of, of course, the, all but the I just mean in the meantime, yes, in as the mean, we're looking for screens and stuff like that. In the like meantime, that. we can certainly look at that, yeah. Because there seems to be that uh, at least 419 seems to have that problem going down every year. Um, and so, you know, just even for all of them, I think it would be nice to just have some maybe feasibility study, maybe bring it to the next meeting that says, you know, hey, we did a study on all the high-rises and, you know, it meets code, but this is maybe how we could improve it, just looking at different ways. Sure, we can look at that, Commissioner Kansen. And just a quick reminder, we are meeting every other week. Mike, Dante, Fountain, our maintenance manager, and Adrian, every week are being available in the community, walking the property with residents, talking to residents and the resident council. So please know we're, we're really trying as best we can to make sure we're keeping these lines of communication really open and, and um, relevant. Okay, thanks. Let's move on to the next item, number 8F. This is a Director of Resident Services. Okay, um, I do have my eight human rights coordinator here too, if... Um, if um, human resources? Human resources, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, um, Anna Seminova, and I just wanted to make sure you, you know she was introduced today too, but we are trying to establish the Director of Resident Service job classification. And I have to tell you, I'm very excited that we're bringing this as a... Um, you know, to, to the forefront as we are bringing, we're going to really try to bring resident services as much as we can to um, Golden Gate Village. And so this proper, this is a, a director level that will be able to um, help us coordinate with the county, nonprofits, help to write grants for different services, so around employment, around different uh, other types of services. So this is, um, this is kind of near and dear to my heart as far as being a supportive service um, where I got into the Housing Authority. Um, so this is under our PMR 40.20 and 40.14 that we are creating or establishing a new job class. The Housing Authority has determined that, um, that it would benefit from the Director of, of Services. Marin Housing Authority would like to create this Director of Resident Services position as a part of the Golden Gate Village Revitalization Plan adopted by the Board last November. The goal of the plan is to restore economic stability for Golden Gate Village residents. This will require a focus of the development of resident skills and access to good jobs and enhanced connections to job training and employment opportunities creation of equity and choice of MHA revitalizes, as the Housing Authority revitalizes 296 historic designated units. Uh, the in, this is a seven-step salary position, and it's between $82,000 and $110,000 a year. And this is, this is a, um, it, it'll be a two-year fixed-term job at this point, and then we'll, um, we'll have to reevaluate we want to really try to address the, all the, the issues and the, to provide some services at, at the property. We are also going to be hiring a case manager. So this is a, a, a case manager service coordinator in Marin City, which we do not have right now. 
that we'll be able to be on the property, knock on doors, you know, really coordinate services with the residents that live there. That's Thank you. Any questions from commissioners? Please, uh, Commissioner. Uh, <coughs> Kimberly, you specifically mentioned Golden Gate Village, but I assume this position would be available to other um, uh, residents that we own or we operate, uh, if, if there's time permitting? Yes. We, we're really focused in Golden Gate Village, but um, as we are looking at grants and expanding services, we, it'll, it'll go for all public housing. Yes, expand over. I'm not seeing other questions. Uh, Commissioner Kansen, please. Um, so, well, is this um, doing some of the duties of a deputy director as well? No. No? No. So this will be over the property manager? No, this won't be over the property manager. This is really going to be a, a just director for resident services. So all the services. The ser so, you know, we have our housing and our property manager, and, and we have um, Kathleen White as the director of housing operations that oversees the, 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 man the property management. Okay. This position would really be overseeing the res all the resident services. So they'll work in concert yes. with Kathleen? absolutely. Will this position um, be focused uh, to work in tandem with the resident uh, council? Yes. In fact, the resident council it will be on the selection committee, interviews that we're, we're, we're planning. And so this person will be the person that decides, you know, uh, how that building uh hundred building will uh, uh, work with the different agencies like the resident council I'm sorry how, how what what will well this will this uh, position uh, work closely with the resident council and decide this is the space where the resident council gets rooms to do their job because we talked about the 100 building and she talked about being evicted in 2010. So I'm wondering, will they work side by side with the resident council to inhabit that building in the 100 building? Uh, that hasn't all been determined yet. So, you know, the resident council has been given a space. And uh, so we do have, they have a lease agreement with the housing authority to provide services. There's five um, small offices. So I, I want to make sure, you, every, you know, there is a space. The HUD requires that we've, we offer a space, which we've done. Um, they have not had a space for many, many years. So this is a really big move, and I'm excited for it, and I, I hope others can join in the celebration of the resident council does have a space. We are all working together um, in looking at the community space. To it's our only community space to right. do all kinds of events residents are able to um, right now to uh, to book up use that space for birthday parties we've already had a party there uh, for for kids celebrations for you know anything people right. want so uh, we're just, really making it so that it is for the community yeah and it and it was and it is and we're here today and we're excited about it today so it is for the residents um, uh, the only reason I was asking is because uh, it looks like um, that person will probably be down in the 100 building because they're for resident services? I would, yes, I definitely want to have the person in the community. Right, right. I haven't made any decisions where they'll be sitting or the offices yet, but. Because I was just thinking that they, they could, uh, this, this position will be good if they could work hand in hand with the resident council because I think um, 
the goals are the same or should be the same. I certainly think they overlap for sure. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you for that, uh, Commissioner Canson. Uh, I'm not seeing another. I, I'll open to public comment now. On Hi, uh, Gail Bateson from Inverness again. Um, thank you. Um, Kimberly just answered my first question, which was um, to what extent are the residents council going to be involved in formulating this plan? Because as you say, it's a goal to create uh, good jobs with a resident choice and opportunity. And um, while that is covered well in, the, in your cover letter, in the job description itself, I had some suggestions. It seems like it really kind of focuses on a lot of generic resident services, and maybe that's because it's at the highest level across the directorship. But if the focus is really on creating jobs, then there should be something in there that says that you want people that have some kind of knowledge or expertise of workforce development programs and related programs that are specifically designed uh, to promote economic inclusion in this kind of a, a population and, and collaboratives that provide these services. Um, so why would this be important? Um, one example would be, I think you mentioned some of the, the construction trades, apprenticeship programs that have happened in the past. Um, and people tend to think of apprenticeship programs as kind of limited to um, construction. But, and right now, there's a lot of programs and about 70% of the applicants are people of color. But when you look at the percentage of women in, the, in those uh, programs, it's only about 7%. The women are not finding the opportunities in the current apprenticeship programs. And now there's a new initiative at the state level, and I think there'll be regional consortiums working to launch new apprenticeship programs in areas like information technology, advanced manufacturing, healthcare, and education. And, and they want to create 500,000 apprenticeship programs in the state in the next few years. And so there's going to be a lot of great opportunities. And I think those are the kinds of things that you, you need to have somebody who's kind of plugged into that whole world. It's a whole different world than just providing general membership services. So. Um, I would just, that's again why I think it's important to first consult with the residents to figure out what kind of services they most need and then uh, maybe craft a job description that's really specifically tailored because the current one's kind of exhaustive. It's kind of a, a lot of information and maybe it could be more um, narrowed down a bit or made more accurate to what the, the residents really need and want. Thank you. Are there any other uh, speakers here in the chamber? Okay, let's see. Are there any online now? Yes, uh, the first speaker is Jerry Cunin. Please unmute. Hello, everyone. Um, along this line of work, uh, the Housing Authority, of the Atlanta Housing Authority, has a really dynamic site which shares um, the uh, restrictions, the recommendations of under HUD. Um, to provide to provide services, whether it is a resident-owned business or one that employs and educates, um, it might be something worth looking at. So that's the Atlanta Housing Authority. has a pretty dynamic site on exactly what you're talking about, the Section 3 openings and opportunities. Thanks. Okay. The next speaker is Damien. Please unmute. Hello again. Thank you. Um, from besides today's, uh, besides you know listening to today of what what's next, um, I have not been involved with this or don't know much about it. Um, besides the couple of employees that you have in this program now, but 
I, I, you know, I do urge the community to caution, and I ask the county, you know, this this overseer, quote unquote, position, is it, you know, usually the governments, you know, bodies like Lynn County and other governments hire white only to oversee black. Will this be a white, you know, you know, quote unquote, white position for white people to come in and oversee black? Or will you hire someone from the city for this position? Secondly, I urge the community to be aware of the county, the county of Marin streamlining someone black from another neighborhood, streamlining someone black from another county to come in and apply for this position who is kind of like pro-government and who will favor the county and do all things county. So is it a position for white people to oversee black or will you be careful of the count i've seen it happen at csd i've seen it happen throughout Marin city many times where and the county level where a county where quote unquote uh uh you know streamline a position for black outside a black person outside the county to come in and we see a black face think they have in our back think they have our back and they don't so county how will you proceed with this process? I will do my best to pay attention. Thank you. President Mullen Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. Okay, uh, I'm gonna bring it back now for some discussion on the board. If anyone would like to move the item or respond. Oh, yes, no, no, you did. Sorry. Uh, I would just like to note that uh, most people don't know that the agency has hired a lot of people from the community. And the reason I'm saying this is this morning I had a chance to talk to a young man who was working for us. And so I asked him, I said, how come you're not at work? He says, oh, I had to step away. I asked him, did it have anything to do with your work? He says, no, it was a personal issue he had, so he had to quit working. But what I want to point out is this is that I know it's factual. For about 10 years now, I founded a program along with Felicia Marin City, a construction program funded by the probation department, which originally started out, we were just doing it to get people who were coming back in, from being incarcerated to get them into the working system. But it was such a big hit, and people in the community were asking how they could get on and do the and so they got to expand it. This program has been going on at the CDC for nine years now. And uh, I know this is factual, that there's opportunities for the people in the community to walk over the hill, get into the program. They actually got a class going right now, which I was done the other day, and get be able to get into the trades, not only just doing construction, but if you want to do electrical work, they're getting, there's funds that have been provided by the county through the probation department to get these people trained and get them into the unions. So all in all, I'm just saying that, that this program does exist for the people who live outside, don't know that this program is going on as we speak every day throughout the year that people are able to do this. Also, there's an opportunity for people 
who, uh, which uh, I'm part of this program for people to become SUD counselors, substance use and disorder counselors, which is funded by the county, which, uh, and I do the mentoring for those programs. But there are ample opportunities, and since Kimberly's been here, uh, people have been able to apply more easily and readily they, through the temp agency. They're getting hired in Marin City. So there's, you know, at this point, it's really a community issue where people really want to work. There's opportunities that are right there under their noses. And I know this because the programs are still going on and I'm involved in them. So, you know, what happened in the past, that's in the past. We're talking about what's happening right now. And, you know, I'm so glad that the community is getting engaged because at one time, all the workers were people from the community that worked for the agency. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, Chair Moulton Peters, I'd be happy to move item 8F, uh, authorizing the executive director to establish the director of resident services as, descri as described in the staff report and appreciate the conversation. Second. Okay. And a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. extension of an existing contract for services, is that right? That's correct. Uh, this is our, our final, uh, this is our contract, or um, sorry, final extension for our Nan McKay contract that helps us with our remote case management services. And what we're, what we're asking today is that the board ratify the contract extension with Nan McKay to provide these remote case management services. Um, Nan McKay has helped us with our with all of our public housing and then 2,300 of our vouchers to do the annual recertification. So every year we have to certify income and the family composition of all of our participants. And um, we've, we've employed a, a vendor for the last four years and we're extending it for another fifth. And then we are hoping to, in this time period, in this last extension, period, we are going to be either looking at um, bringing some of these services back in-house and to employ folks from the, from the community, from Marin, that can, or, or anywhere, you know, that can work with us and be employees of the housing authority as one option, or, or we may do a hybrid of some employees and, and some of, the, uh, of a, a vendor. So we'll be putting out another RFP. So this is to ask to ratify the extension of this grant for through November of 23 while we explore options of how best to address this um, our annual recertification process any questions I'm not seeing any any public comment on this item yes I just want to say that this is a long time coming Nan McKay has messed over the residents uh, with all types of, um, when it's time to um, go forward, people have to go th turn in the same paperwork anywhere from two to seven times, the same identical paperwork. They fall behind. They're very, very shoddy and have been shoddy for years. 
So, you know, I'm glad they have finally just played out. That's number one. I have been um, advocating for eligibility workers again. I mean, there's nothing better than customer service, you know, seeing face-to-face. They had the portal thing and uh, a big major mess, but at the the, uh, residents are the ones that really have had to suffer with this. But if they really put a big, like Kimberly said, residency, people that really want to get the training that they would be able to have the ability to train. You're going to have, at one point, uh, the Marin Housing Authority really prided itself after customer service. That has gone, been gone away. Um, as well as with uh, not only eligibility workers, but time out for the, uh, the temporary, the temps. I understand why, so you don't have to pay uh, benefits, but we we only have one, well, maybe two, Lupe, but two maintenance men that have to travel everywhere that have the skills and the know-how to really fix what needs to be fixed at all of the various properties. This is hideous. And, I mean, one, one that's getting ready to retire next year, and I told Kimberly, what are you going to really do then? You got other people working, but they don't, they're not skilled in maintenance. So I'm just putting it out there. Once upon a time, long, long ago, maintenance workers were, not that long ago, but maintenance workers were permanent workers with benefits, and they took pride in their work. And that's what needs to happen now, not just hiring somebody off the street and you see them one day, don't even check to see if they have driver's license or nothing, and here they are driving the big dump truck. Y'all got to tighten up on the maintenance for sure, for real, and bring that back in, giving people the opportunity to earn a decent salary with benefits, not here today and gone uh, at 4.30. Thank you. Sharon Hayes. I'm new to the board. I've been a Marin City resident for over six years. Um, what I'd like to see happen is we go back to the probationary period. Stop doing these temp jobs because the temporary people they're not really in, they're not invested in our community. Let's bring back the probationary period and and. Of course, I want it to be offered to the residents first. But if they don't make it, I don't care who, who, who we have. But we need people who are going to be invested in our community. Temporary workers are just that. They don't mind moving from place to place, job to job. We need people who are going to serve us in a full-time capacity, and we can do that. With the probationary period, 90-day probation. You ain't doing the job? Next. That's all I have to say. President Peters, there are no speakers in the queue. Okay, thank you. I will bring it back. Did you want to respond? Yeah, I'd like to respond to the last two speakers. We still have full-time, very 
well-compensated union maintenance professionals, all of whom are very skilled. We also, in addition, because we've been trying to catch up on so many maintenance items as we discuss every, every meeting, that we have also hired temporary maintenance workers with the intention that if they work out, they will also get an opportunity to move into full-time uh, permanent union positions with benefits. So this isn't, we're not cutting permanent roles in favor of temporary. We're adding bodies to our maintenance staff to try to accomplish as many things as we can. I'm bringing it back to the board now. Uh, yes. Uh, as I understand it, I think we talked about this. You actually do have a probationary term, do you not? We do. Our probation is actually a year for every employee that we hire. And then I do want to congratulate you on bringing it back. I think we talked about Nan McKay at the conference and, and, and the issues with that and that you're trying to make it a permanent solution where you have people that are going to be processing it and that can deal directly with the people because I do know that uh, we talked about the paperwork problem and how you were trying to rectify that. So I appreciate that you're looking for different solutions. And Thank you. Oh, I'll move. Sorry, guys. I'm just, it's a long meeting. Yeah. I'll move. I'll move. Thank you. And I'll second. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. We have public open time for anything we haven't covered today. Say anything. However, you have, as he, he, he made me do it, because there are only two maintenance men that are permanent maintenance. You've got two others that follow poor Mike around, that don't know what they're doing. So to play like they know what they're doing, the other workers know. There's Mike and Lupe, and I know for a fact. And poor Mike, he, he travels all up and around the corner. You should speak up, Sarah. You know how he's overworked and that the others don't know what they're doing. Let's be real. Really, speak up, Sarah. Looking at me like I'm lying. I will say that uh, Mike is the person. So before Mike retires, I, I've always said, and, and I talked to Kimberly uh, when we changed over, uh, um, when Dante was changing over and decided to step down, that you definitely need to find somebody that has that scope as Mike because he is not only uh, the person well versed, but he's the person that some people will only let in their house. And, and that's going to be an issue. Um, many residents feel comfortable with Mike. He grew up in the neighborhood. He grew up in the area. And Mike knows all the, 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 the rig stuff, the stuff that was done wrong, the stuff that was done right, what's being ordered, what's being not. And so as far as we're looking as residents, it looks like you got Mike and Dante and Lupe. That's right. That's right. So just, just so you know. I know that you're working on it, but I'm just telling you. That's what it is, because uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, Lupe or somebody will go in and, and Lupe will call for Mike because he's not sure how to deal with that, because these are old problems, and Mike has been there for a long, long time. And so that's one of those things, just to make sure that as you're going through your training and your hiring process, you find somebody, and, you know, that person definitely will need to follow along with Mike and, and take notes, or, you know, or even yourself, just so he can teach you all the little tricks, because there are little tricks. It's, it's an old 
development. So. I've completely lost where we were. Are we ready for a vote? We're on, we're on. We are taking open time. Is there anyone online? Okay. Yes, is there anyone online? Sorry, folks. There's one person, Damien, Jerry. There you go. Okay, folks. Damien, nice to Time to wrap it up. Hello, Let's thank go. you. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, yes we can hear you. I'll remind the Board of Commissioners, all seven of you, that uh, in 2017, um, turn my camera on so I can see you guys. It was like that earlier. Turn my camera on so I can see you, please. Thank you. In 2017, uh, a report was released that the county has uh, accepted on many many times over that Marin was the most inequitable county of all 58 counties. All 58 counties, Marin was at the top of the list, the worst regarding uh, racial inequity. So when we say that Marin County or Marin City has all these uh, options and the county is in great partnership with Marin City, that's bogus, that's fake news. Um, Many have told me in Marin City, many have told me that we want other opportunities besides construction. They've told me this to my face. More than construction, more than construction, they've told me. Uh, I imagine uh, maybe the last year, year and a half, the county is trying to do more, it sounds like, possibly, a little bit more. You know, the equity funds, the equity funds are being strung out, strung out for months and months and months, a couple years. A couple million dollars that the, the county office of equity will string out for years and years and years. Why is that? If you string it out longer, that's less you have to go in and, and, and allocate more. So those $2.5 million will be strung out for the next three, four, five years, purposely done. That's, that, that's, that's strategy. So therefore, you don't have to go and allocate any more funds. So uh, Marin County is at the top of the list of the worst and Marin City does not have all these opportunities. That's fake news. That's not true. Top of the list, racecounts.org. Go check it out. The worst in the state of California. Thank you. The next speaker is Jerry Kunin. Please unmute. I apologize if this is not the right time to say this, but I just want to say it before the end of this meeting. I especially want to share how much I appreciate the work of this council, of the commissioners, of the public, particularly in the last week or so with the housing element stuff, to, for y'all mm. to be there till 1030. The incredible work trying to juggle everything of Joyce and the incredible work you're all doing even today. I appreciate what you are trying your best to accomplish. I appreciate what you have accomplished. I especially ask and urge all of us to work together to see what else we can do. Thanks again. The next speaker is Johnson Reynolds. Please unmute. Uh, Johnson Reynolds in the canal again. I'm on the board of uh, Wren Housing Village in the canal for 34 units. It's condo. It's not like what we village, but it's definitely we have to have somebody that really knows what they're doing and can follow people that do the construction to make sure they're doing it correctly. And that uh, sounds like from what Roy says, it's, you, it, you're limited. You, you don't have people that can do that sufficiently for all the uh, apartments in Golden Gate Village. You definitely need to have somebody that's really equipped, like Mike, or, or, or Mike, right? Yeah, 
to really pull that through. Just one or two people is not sufficient for that many units. And so we're struggling to do that with, with the person that knows about the construction leaving us. So we have to figure out somebody that can be a maintenance person to go around and make sure that things are done correctly. And that's what is needed in Golden Gate Village as well. So I appreciate you moving in that direction to get more qualified and good people like Mike to do the work that needs to be done to follow people around, make sure they're doing the correct work on the maintenance, whatever it is, roof or siding or any other thing that happens. So thank you very much. President Moulton-Peters, there are no additional speakers in the queue. That is the end of public open time. Thank you, everyone, for attending. Thank you to the staff and the board for the meeting. We are adjourned. Thank you for pointing out when I...